Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. And on this very special episode of the Coffeehouse, we're going to talk about holiday concerts. Yes, and we have a, a lot to get through with holiday concerts. They're very pervasive in our society this time of year. So first, we're going to start off with just a very brief history of how holiday concerts came to be. So, music associated with the Christmas holiday has its origins in Rome with Latin hymns. And by the end of the 13th century, while the Middle Ages were wrapping up, these Latin hymns became translated into the vernacular, which is to say the local language of where they were being sung, under the direction of the famous Catholic friar Francis of Assisi, who cemented this tradition in order to spread the dogma of Christianity to the masses. So the first collection of what we now would think of as carols that appeared in the English language was first published in 1426, and these were sung by people known as the Wasslers, which were just groups of carolers, and you might be familiar with the Christmas song, Here We Come A-Wassling. It kind of has to go along with that, people just going door-to-door singing holiday songs at you. Christmas music itself really kind of evolved from here. So as we mentioned, these origins did come all the way from old Catholicism, where most of the service was actually sung as a way to project one's voice so that the teachings could be heard. In addition to these religious themes, incorporate themes of St. Nicholas when we get to the 19th century, and we also began to tell more just comforting stories about the holiday season. And society itself became more secularized, and really kind of appreciated these new secular Christmas-themed songs. So where does that fit into our theme of classical music? Well, for classical genre composers, the status of Christmas was actually more important as a feast within the church, uh, within a liturgical calendar. So during this time of the holidays, the church would spend a lot of money, they would buy a lot of food, they would hold elaborate celebrations, and, of course, they would commission a lot of liturgical works. They would commission a lot of Christmas music. So Handel's Messiah is a very famous example of something like this. But as the Catholic Church became less and less the main promoter and sponsor of the arts, composers did not stop writing Christmas music. So instead of instead of being a sponsored thing, it became more of a tradition. And of course, with these grand works such as even even very secular works such as the Nutcracker Suite, of course, became more about celebration and about the holidays, there were programs organized around the performance and the enjoyment of these works. And they started to include works from the rest of these composers' catalogs and incorporate music uh, music from other composers about Christmas. And so it became a tradition to have a holiday concert and to write holiday music. And that's where a lot of our modern classical holiday music comes from. Perhaps the holiday concerts maybe even evolved to complement or replace Christmas services at a church 
in the more secular society. Granted, for a long period in history, most people did still go to church on Christmas, but perhaps then they also went to a holiday concert and that became a staple of their tradition. And certainly now, when many more people don't regularly go to church, there's still a lot of holiday concerts that they could attend and still conjure up that holiday spirit without necessarily being religious. Right, it's a social event. It's, it's a time where I can go out with my friends and family and experience all of these works and get into the spirit of the holidays while not being a devout worshipper. So since holiday concerts, whether they are secular or sacred, really do have a very strong place in our Western society, it takes a lot of musicians to put them on and a lot of preparing for them. Asa, both you and I have prepared for many a holiday concert before, <laughs> many a, a holiday spectacular, if you will. Yes. And I think we should just maybe tell our non-musician listeners what it's like to have a holiday concert preparation. So the biggest thing that I noticed, probably the biggest difference between preparing for a holiday concert and preparing for a normal concert, is the sheer volume of music that we prepare. Because we, we put together carols from all sorts of backgrounds. We put together grand, uh, you know, grand suites. Like we, perf we perform Nutcracker uh, excerpts in the same, or, or whole movements of the Nutcracker in the same concert as we perform what up on the housetop, right? <laughs> so there's 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 so much more to do. And in that, we we focus a lot on just sort of putting together the performance and sometimes unfortunately not as much on the artistry. I would agree to an extent. I think a lot of times there's either very simple holiday music that's written for beginning musicians to play, so that they can have something to perform during this very important time of year and feel good about it. But then there's also just extremely hard holiday music that's meant to be flashy and showy and really catch the audience's attention. And there's really not much in between. That's kind of where it lies in just being able to get the music together enough that it's performable rather than really having the time to spend digging into the music so much is just the sheer difficulty might not match exactly with the skill of whatever orchestra or band or any musical group that you're playing with. You know, I think that's a good point. And I think, I think that translates to the audience that we're preparing the holiday concert for. We're not prepar uh, preparing the holiday concert for academics, for people who might normally go to classical music concerts. So even those excerpts, those like those movements of the Nutcracker or of, you know, the Christmas Oratorio or something like that, those don't necessarily, I guess, for lack of a better word, have to be perf uh, perfected to the same level as if we are performing for an audience who appreciates those sorts of nuances. We're performing, we're, we're creating a program that should be crowd-pleasing, that should be engaging, and we perform it to that level. And there's so much, of course, so much more that goes into that preparation. It seems like a, a simplistic thing to say. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, we dumbed down the holiday concerts. Because, uh, because, because we, we definitely don't. Um, but there's, there's definitely an, an aspect of preparing for the audience, I believe. 
Now, I would also argue that if you're playing something that is extremely popular, such as the Nutcracker Suite, there is somewhat of a level that you do have to achieve because it has to be recognizable. And since everybody has heard it, any sort of little mistakes or any weirdness in the orchestra is going to be noticed to some degree by the audience and it will either make or break the performance. So I would say that for the flashy medleys, you might not have to get every single run perfect, but I think for popular things like I keep referencing the Nutcracker, but there's also Sleigh Ride and just things like that that everyone knows and loves. You do have to get those to a certain level that is standard and recognizable. I agree. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So when preparing a program for holiday concerts, what sort of music do we usually perform? Well, I think it definitely depends on the audience that you're trying to target. If you are an orchestra that belongs to a church, then I think anything is probably fair game for them. However, if you're, say, a public school teacher, you might not have quite that opportunity to just select any sort of holiday work, whether it be secular or sacred, because you do have to consider that it's a public setting and everyone should be included in this very special holiday time. Sure, we do have a lot of... Handel's Messiah, which is both a historically complex piece and also is a sacred work. But then we also commonly hear things from the Jewish faith, like a horror dance or Oh Hanukkah. I think the uh, the context in which I like to look at this more is, is from the perspective of a community holiday concert. So something that For example, your local city orchestra might put on rather than your kid's public school. And I think in that case, there's a lot of stuff that's designed to draw people in. And there's a lot of flash in that sort of program. You mentioned Handel's Messiah, and that's definitely a a very popular tune for a couple reasons. And also, there's variations on these holiday classics. For example, the uh, very popular program that once came through Denver uh, is too hot to handle uh, where this is this this modernized jazz orchestra version of Handel's Messiah that was an absolute treat as an audience member to watch uh, so it's you know I, I think especially in modern society here we, we, we have a lot of tweaked versions of stuff like that and those those classics mixed in with modern there, there was a, a big movement after World War II, uh, in the, especially in the 50s with those crooner Christmas carols. And there's a lot of uh, renditions of those now tucked into our medleys. A lot of Sinatra, a lot of I'll Be Home for Christmas uh, type stuff uh, that's tucked into those medleys alongside Silent Night and Carol of the Bells. Yeah, those are good points. So since there's obviously lots and lots of holiday music out there and lots of concerts being performed, why should you as a listener or consumer of the arts bother going to a holiday concert? Can't you just listen to this music on the radio? What's the point of going to the concert? Well, that's a very good question. I think it comes back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier about perhaps the purpose of holiday concerts as they evolved from you know, a Christmas mass. And that is, of of course, to maybe supplant these or complement these as a social gathering for people who 
might not uh, be quite as attuned to the church. And I think that still stands, although they draw audiences from all walks of life. It is, I think, more than any other concert, a social event. Uh, For example, like the Too Hot to Handle concert included (laughs) much audience participation. And by the end of it, just about everybody in the uh, Betcher Auditorium uh, were standing up and clapping and dancing. (laughs) And that's that's a phenomenon that is both seen in many other concerts and on many other holiday concerts around the U.S. and I'm sure around the world, but also mirrored in Catholic Mass, especially, you know, modern sort of megachurch style with big crowds and charismatic preachers and, and things like that, but just getting the audience involved. And I think that sort of thing uh, really, really serves the purpose. It really is the purpose of the holiday concerts. Uh, people talk a lot about the Christmas spirit, and I think that really, really entails being together with other people and having this joyous sort of feeling in your heart if you can possibly quantify what the Christmas spirit <laughs> is uh, and the holiday, a holiday concert like this with a vast selection of music and a lot of opportunity for interaction and joy really serves that purpose and also a good reason to go to a holiday concert is it's a great time to support your local orchestra or other arts group in the area that you'd like to go and see. I remember going to see the Nutcracker when I was little with my parents and there was just droves of kids there with their families and I remember asking like why are there so many kids here and my mom did respond with something like oh well it's probably the only time that they come to a ballet performance and this is a good one for them to come to because it's flashy and there's not a whole lot of story that they have to follow in the nutcracker it's so accessible it's a yes it's very accessible all holiday concerts are like that they're flashy there's a lot of as you mentioned audience interaction so it brings in a lot of people and a lot of orchestras really depend on the holiday concert to provide a lot of their revenue for the year. And so if you do want to go see other concerts during the year of more serious works, for lack of a better word, or I guess for non-Christmas works, it's a good thing to support your orchestra during the holiday time so that they can keep renting their performance space for the rest of the year and things like that, paying their members and renting music that they need. We've talked a lot about what goes into a holiday concert. Allison, if you could have a perfect holiday performance or a perfect holiday program, what would you put together? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, I would definitely, for at least part of the program, include the Nutcracker Suite. And I think to add the little extra holiday flair, I would have some ballet dancers be invited to the performance to dance to the suite as well, just to include some visuals there. That's always fun. And then the other half of the show, I think I would like to have some of the more upbeat and secular Christmas songs. And we were talking about like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin have maybe some modern impersonators of them do renditions of their songs. I think that would be fun and a nice mix of the old with the new. Oh, yeah, that sounds delightful. (laughs) What about you, Asa? What's your perfect concert? You know, I, I tend to like holiday concerts that are programmed as a as a show rather than a uh, you know a traditional concert format with piece following piece following intermission. 
and, uh, you know, these segmented things. So one of my favorite uh, performances that I've ever been a part of has been the Holiday Spectaculars uh, with you sometimes at Colorado <laughs> State University. They program a, an excellent combination of music and visuals and a light show and narration and they really they really do have something for everybody that comes in and something like that is both extremely fun to perform in and prepare as this program uh, as this less of a concert more of a Christmas show or a holiday show comes together uh, with all varieties of music and activities and then as an audience member it's extremely fun to participate in and to watch uh, with this this humor injected into it and all sorts of uh, all sorts of different and exciting things to get me into the holiday spirit. <laughs> that sounds like a grand old time. It really was spectacular. So we've hoped you enjoyed uh, listening to this more freeform discussion of holiday music. Uh, if you have any thoughts of your own, please don't hesitate to share them with us either by email or on our Facebook page. And there's still time during this holiday season to get out there and go find your favorite musical group and support them during this season and have a good time out with yourself watching some nice holiday-themed music. So, of course, if you liked this podcast, if you like what we're doing, uh, please support us by leaving us a review on iTunes or Google Play and sharing us with a musically inclined friend. And just to give you a little heads up, our next episode will still be coming out in two weeks, but it will be coming out on Monday the 31st rather than Sunday the 30th, and it will be a New Year's special. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I am Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. The First Noel, as arranged by Michael Rondeau, and Carol the Bells by Michael Leontovich were performed by Michael Rondeau, Matt Jobadon, Eric Valencourt, and Steve Guerin. Excerpts from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite were performed by the DuPage Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Barbara Schubert. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes or Google Play. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Thank you.